Hello, I am John McAlevey, and this is the Quadcast Podcast. I'd like to thank you for hopping aboard Season 2, Episode 4, starring Deborah Mellon. For those of you new to the show, while this program is mainly for and about folks like me who have had their lives affected by a spinal cord injury, it is really for anyone who just wants to be inspired. Think of the Quadcast as your weekly 30 to 45-minute session of OT and PT for the soul. I hope you had an opportunity to listen to last week's episode in which T.J. Griffin, program coordinator with the Christopher and Dana Reef Foundation's Peer and Family Support Program, was my guest. Not only did he share his inspirational story of overcoming his spinal cord injury following a tackle on the football field in high school, but how today he and the foundation make a profound difference in the lives of those living with SCI and their families. If you are interested in speaking with a Reef Foundation mentor, you can call them at 1-800-539-7309. Their mentors are living with paralysis or caring for someone living with paralysis and therefore understand what you are going through. As TJ mentioned to me at the end of our conversation, quote, we are all in this together, end quote. Amen, my friend. And now on to today's show, which I am excited to bring you. But first, a quick story which will provide some perspective. Back in the summer of 2017, an old and dear friend, both literally and figuratively, haha, invited me to a very special outing. She was bringing her nephew, who is wheelchair-bound, having been born both mentally and physically disabled, for an afternoon of sailing. Having met him before, I had no idea how this was even going to be possible, so I made the trip on the beautiful day to see for myself. When I arrived at Mill Creek County Park in Berkeley Township, New Jersey, my friend introduced me to two gentlemen who were avid and accomplished sailors who wanted to share their love of being out on the water with folks living with disabilities. Roy Wilkins and Russ Lucas hoisted my friend's severely muscle-toned nephew from his power wheelchair and placed him in a sailboat. Then, for the next 20 minutes or so, they just sailed, and he just smiled the entire time. They also took a young girl with Down syndrome for a trip as well, and if I close my eyes right now, can still hear her gleeful laughter today. Needless to say, this was an eye-opener for me and an amazing day for these new sailors who could hardly wait for their next voyage. The same could be said for my featured guest today. In fact, when asked about sailing herself, Deborah Mellon put it this way, quote, I began to sail about six years after my injury. I had always loved the water but never had a chance to learn how to sail. I was hooked the first time I went out in a shake boat. Sailing reacquainted me with the feelings of exhilaration, excitement, and pure joy in the moment, end quote. Following this brief commercial break, Deborah, who is now owner of the Impossible Dream, a universally accessible catamaran whose mission it is to raise awareness of barrier-free design and to improve the quality of life for people with disabilities through sailing, will be here. So grab your life preservers because we set sail next. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin, the radio play-by-play announcer for the New Jersey Devils. If you like what you're hearing from John McAlevey on today's show, then you'll want to check out more Sports Now's podcast. 
You know, John's a huge sports fan, and each week he joins me and Steve Titchener for a spirited roundtable discussion on what's going on in sports on both sides of the Hudson. Our podcast can be heard at moresportsnow.com, but also on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeart. I hope you'll check us out. And we are back. A very special thank you to Dennis DeYoung, Tommy Shaw, and the rest of the boys from Styx for playing us in with their iconic 1977 hit single, Come Sail Away, which is the perfect segue as I welcome in my guest and noted sailor, Deborah Mellon. Hello, Deborah, and thank you so much for joining me. Hi, John. It's a pleasure. Deborah, before we get into your love of sailing, the impossible dream, and all you're doing with it these days, let's begin with learning a little more about you. So where did you grow up, and what were some things that you liked to do as a young person? Um, I grew up in New York, and I like to do everything any young person can do. I enjoyed sports. I went to summer camp in the summer, um, and I had a pretty happy childhood. Yeah. So how about uh, as you're getting a little bit older, where did you uh, where did you go to school and what were some things that you were starting to think that maybe you wanted to do with your life as a grown up? Um, I went to school in New York. I'm a graduate of NYU, New York University. And um, I in school, I fooled around with film and video and then. When I graduated school, I went into my family business, which are fine gems and jewelry, and I started designing jewelry. Wow. And did you get, I'm sure you got pretty good at that since it was in the blood, huh? Yes, I did. Awesome. And were you doing uh, men's jewelry, women's jewelry, all sorts of things? Fine women's jewelry. That's great. And that was something that your parents instilled in you? Um, My father, yes. Terrific. Now, um, Deborah, tell us about um, Italy. I know that you moved to Italy at some point. When did you move there and and why? I moved to Italy in 1983, I believe. Um, My husband was from there. I met him in New York, and we decided to try and make a life in Italy. So we went back. We went to live there. Okay. Now, now that you're in Italy, uh, tell us about the day that changed the course of your life. What do you remember before your accident and then in the immediate aftermath? Well, I was in the car with my husband. We were going, we had just dropped his mother off, who was visiting us for the Jewish holidays. And we were going, he was accompanying me. I was going to do a jewelry show in a place called Parma. And I don't remember, I only, I remember up to maybe 20 minutes before the accident and three weeks after. I don't remember anything in between. Wow. Were you driving the car, Deborah? 
No, my husband was driving the car. Unbelievable. And so what did he tell you happened? Well, what we found out what happened was that um, a truck driver fell asleep on the road and and came into us. Oh, good grief. So it was it was completely on the other person's negligence. He had fallen asleep? Yes. Oh, wow. Now, Deborah, how about was it uh, was it hard living in a different country and not having family and friends around you at this at this tough time? Well, um, I was in the hospital in Genoa for about six weeks, and then I was flown by my family back to New York, and I was in Rusk for six months. So for my acute care, I was home in in New York City, and I had my family and friends around me. And in Italy, I had family there too, my husband's family and friends. Yes. So I had a pretty um, good support group in both places. And how important was that? I know that everyone that I've had on here, this is now my uh, 27th, I think, episode. Uh, everyone tells me that uh, if it were not for for family and good friends, then, then they, they don't know where they would be today. Right. I agree with that. Absolutely. It's always important in any situation to have your family and friends that are close to you. Mm-hmm. And Deborah, what was the actual injury that you have? What was the level and, and, and how did, you know, initially, how did it leave you? Um, the level was L1, lumbar one, and it left me a paraplegic. Okay. So L1 is, what would that be, uh, around your, your midsection? Yeah, it's um around my waist. Okay. Groin waist area. Okay. And how did, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, of course, these injuries, obviously, they take their toll on us physically because all of a sudden, you know, we have to live a different life and we're not able to do the things that we used to do. But they don't realize how it affects a person that's just had a spinal cord injury mentally. How, how were you dealing with this mentally? Well, for me, first of all, I had many other injuries. So the first year was um, healing from other injuries and surgeries also. Um, obviously, it's it's a dark place mentally. Uh, and you think you're going to, uh, you know, you, you believe that, you know, you try to believe that it's not permanent. And you give yourself, you know, I gave myself, I said, I'll do physical therapy and in two years I'll be back to myself. And, um, and so that's how it was in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's sort of how I felt. I know that, uh, a lot of the folks I've had on here were, you know, played sports growing up and, you know, they went into the PT gym and attacked it as if they were, you know, back on the field again. And I'm sure, um, you know, that's what you did. And, uh, tell us about now, um, you did how many weeks at Rusk? I was at Rusk for six months. Oh, six months. Wow. That was a good, you know, nowadays that it probably, you would have been there for, uh, six weeks tops. Six weeks. Yeah. It's a completely different world now. Isn't it? I, I don't know how these folks are doing it. And especially in the last year and a half, um, I have been working at, uh, at Kessler as a peer counseling coordinator. And I know being in and around campus, you know, when when COVID hit, those poor folks were not even allowed to have family members in, let alone friends and whatnot. They were just sort of isolated in their rooms. I don't know how they were able to do that. I don't know. Well, I think 
it was really tough, but I think also the difference now compared to when I was injured, I was injured in 1989. The difference now is social media. Yeah. And I think that, that I, I don't always think social media is positive, but I think in COVID and for these um, people in the hospital with new injuries that could not uh, that could not have their friends and family around them and could not really socialize that much with with other patients. I think that social media have helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it, it broke down some barriers and it was able to let them, as you say, communi- communicate with with friends and people that were not necessarily in the area. Um, Deborah, how about after Rusk? Tell us about some additional therapies that you did at the Miami Project to cure paralysis and your surgeon, the well-renowned Dr. Barth Green, about that relationship. Right. So um, after I was in Rusk, I went back to live in Italy and I was in Italy for about maybe a year and my husband passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. And so I realized that there was no way I could live independently in Italy. Unfortunately, the beauty of that country is also what makes it so inaccessible. Right. So I, um, I packed up and I came back to New York. I uh, was living with my parents for a little while and then I got my own place. And then my family, actually, the, the first year in Italy was the fir- I went to the Miami Project and to see Barth Green the, from Italy the first time. Okay. And my family had met with, um, with Dr. Green, with Forrest Green, and he had told them all about the Miami project and everything else. And so I went to Miami. My husband was still alive. We went together and I started, um, doing physical therapy at a place called uh, recommended by the Miami project, Miami physical therapy. At that time there was, um, the owner of that business was Robin Smith, and it was it was a safe place. Okay. And I made very many friends there that are still my dearest friends to this day. Yeah. And that was the first community I found when yeah. I went to Miami. And the Miami Project was an incredible place, and I did therapies with them. Unfortunately... I was not um, I was not a candidate for a lot of the studies because of the level of my injury. They were working a lot with higher injuries. Sure. And and I made I but I made a community there. Um, Barth Green did two surgeries on me within five years uh, because the surgery I had surgery at the time of my accident, but. They couldn't finish up because I, I, I was failing on the table. Mm. So when I went to, in Miami, um, Barth, he cleaned me up. He took out my rods. And then five years after that, he also untethered my cord, which helped me with a lot of pain that I was having. I was having a lot of nerve pain. Mm-hmm. And then basically in Miami, I just, I started walking in braces 
So my goal was still to always to walk. And I walked in, I walked in something called a Bologna boot. I walked in long legged straight braces. I walked in um, Argos, which are reciprocating gait braces. And I would come to Miami for three months every year and work, work in these braces. That is awesome. Now tell us, uh, Deborah, tell us about Dr. Green. You know, you, you, I've seen him in specials on 60 Minutes and on television. Uh, I've read about him. He's one of the, you know, cutting edge guys in the whole world of spinal cord surgeries and research. Tell us about him, the man. The man is a beautiful person. He's warm and caring besides being a genius in the operating room. Uh, he he founded the Miami Project to Cure Paralysis together with Nick Bonaconti, and he became a friend. He became a friend of mine, and Barth Green was the one that originally took me to Shake a Leg, Miami, where I learned how to sail. Yes. I never sailed before my injury, so I credit Barth Green for my life. Mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to get to that in a minute. You mentioned the Bonacani uh, family. Did you have any interaction with Nick or the son, Mark, at the time? Um, a little bit, but very little, mm-hmm. very little acquaintance. Yeah. Yeah. They they were very instrumental when his son was injured playing football at the Citadel, I remember. Yeah. Yes. Yes. His um, Nick was a NFL player and his son was injured in, in his first football game at Citadel. Yeah. And his son is now the president of the Miami Project. And as you know, Nick passed away. Yes. So sad. He was he was amazing. I, I used to watch him as a kid. He was on Inside the NFL on HBO. I always used to yes. sit down yes. in front of that because his playing career was a little before my time. But uh, he was just seemed like such a genuine and a sweet man that, you know, what father wouldn't want to do anything they could for their son. And so, um, you know, helping out his son in the long run was helping out many, many folks like you and me and um, others who have had spinal cord injuries. So thank you to Nick for, uh, yeah, for getting that absolutely. started. And he and, Doc- he and Dr. Green were a good team together, huh? Yeah, they were a great team. Excellent. So now you mentioned Shake a Leg. What is Shake a Leg? What attracted you to it? And as you said, Dr. Green brought you to your first event. Yes. So um, Shake a Leg Miami is a marina that provides water, water sports and boating that are accessible to everybody. Um, I don't know if I'm putting this in the right way, but, uh, sure. but it and. And one of the one of the things they have is adapted sailing. And Shaker Leg was founded by Harry Horgan, who um, originally founded it in Newport and then moved to Miami, and um, and and started it. it. He first he leased a large air seaplane hangar. And everything was in the seaplane hangar. And then about 20 years ago, they were able to build another building. And they have docks there right on Biscayne Bay. Mm. And it's a beautiful setting. And Harry Horgan is my mentor. And Harry, without Harry, I would not be where I am today. And Barth Green was on the board of Shake a Leg. And so one day he 
came, I went over there with him and he introduced me to Harry. And then I was introduced to sailing. Yeah, I was going to say, were you ever a sailor prior to this? And uh, No, I was not. If not, what was it about sailing that, that hooked you? Well, I always loved the water and loved being outdoors. So that was one of the best parts. And it was something that I could do. I could get in a boat. They were small boats. They were 20-foot freedom. I could get in the boat. I could be strapped in and be safe. And I could drive the boat. I could work the tiller. And it gave me a sense of power. And it gave me a sense of being myself. Mm. Now, would Dr. Green get out on the boat with you? Um, Sometimes, yeah. (laughs) Wow. And now the people that were taking part in this, was it, you know, mostly those who had had spinal cord injuries? Were there uh, wounded uh, warriors, that type of thing? Yes, a lot of spinal cord injuries, wounded warriors, people that were um, in Miami for the winter that lived in cold climates and it's very hard to get around in a cold climate. So people would come to Miami and they would discover shake a leg wounded warriors. And he, Harry also works a lot with this city of Miami to serve the children of the city of Miami. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of children's programs. There's a summer camp there, which is incredible going on right now. And there's not a group that would be turned away from shake a leg. You know what's nice about that, Deborah, is that sailing, you know, almost has the connotation of like a yacht club and a sort of a, not a rich person sport, but something that might not be uh, accessible to, to yes. many, many people. Whereas, you know, you could pick up a tennis racket and go out to a public tennis court or, you know, grab a basketball exactly. with your friends. Yeah, so this this was something that that, um, it sounds like it was uh, open to to people that maybe never had a chance to do it. And then um, those who had been injured, you'll hear when when, uh, you listen to the finished product of the podcast, I relate a story in the beginning, how one of my dear friends, her nephew was born... Uh, both physically and mentally profoundly disabled, and he's he's in a power wheelchair, and he really can't communicate, and he's he's all his muscle tone is just riddled with muscle tone. And he went. She told me she said, "John, I want you to meet us. We're going to go sailing. He's going to go sailing, Peter." So I thought to myself, "How is this possible?" And we went to this amazing place, and these two gentlemen who are great sailors in their own right, they hoisted him out of his power chair. They they got in the boat with him, and Deborah he smiled for, for like 25 minutes, as long as they were out on the water. It was like, it was amazing. And here's a young man who has really no communication with the world, but that smile on his face just meant everything. Was that sort of what it did for you and and what you saw other people? Yeah, it did do that for me. And I see it every day doing it for other people. Yeah. And it did that for me. Mm -hmm. So after that first shake a leg, Miami, uh, skiff around uh, Biscayne Bay, you were hooked. I was hooked. Yes. Okay. And then, so what is it? And then I started, so I learned how to sail and then I started volunteering there. Okay. So at this point you're, you're down in Miami, you're living in Miami. 
No, I was only in Miami for the winters. Oh, okay. I, I live. I still live in New York. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now that sailing is becoming more and more a priority in your life, and you're you're volunteering and whatnot. When do you hear about something called the impossible dream? And if you could, please tell us exactly what it is, who created it, and uh, how it became a part of your life. Okay, well, um, I'd say it's about eight, nine years ago. I have a friend, his name is Andrea Stella, who who is from Italy and became a paraplegic when he was visiting here in Miami. He was shot. And he went back to Italy and he built a boat. He built a catamaran catamaran that had um, lifts into the hull. And about nine years ago, he invited me to go on a sailing trip. And I'd never been sailing on a larger boat. I'd only been sailing on a 20-foot boat and that I didn't bring my chair in the boat. I would get out of my chair and sit in this specified seat. So I was a little nervous, but I did it. Mm -hmm. And it opened my world to living on the water, living on on a boat with other people. You form a small family and as we call it, getting salty on the water. (laughs) Getting salty. Yes. And at that time, Andrea had shown me a picture of a boat called the Impossible Dream. And when I got back to my when I came back to Miami, I um, went to Harry Horgan, the founder of Shake a Leg. And I said, let's I want to build a boat, you know, help me to build a boat. Mm -hmm. And we met with a couple of boat builders. And then I was Googling like everybody else, (laughs) I was Googling and I found the impossible dream was for sale. So the impossible dream is the world's only and first sailing catamaran that was built from the ground up to be wheelchair accessible. So it wasn't a refit. Hold on one second because there's no, I'm going to close something. Hold on. No worries. So um, to go on, so it, it mo- a lot of these boats that do have accessibility into the hulls, they're refits. Mm-hmm. But Impossible Dream was built to be wheelchair accessible. She was built. Um, she was originally commissioned in 2002 uh, for a man named Mike Brown. He was a paraplegic sailor in England, and Mike had the boat for 10 years and then put it up for sale. I found it. It wasn't in great shape, but I went to England. Um, Harry Horgan came to England, and my friend Andrea, whose boat I had been on previously, came because I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) Right. And we, Harry and I, Harry and I rented a car at Heathrow, um, with a crazy hand control, uh, our, our, and we were driving on the other side of the road. We, we had to buy new tires when we gave the car back because we, we scraped them up so bad. Oh, boy. And, and we couldn't get out of the car because our wheelchairs were in the back. And we just set off for a five-and-a-half-hour drive down to Plymouth, England to go see The Impossible Dream. So, and that was, it was shown to us by the original boat builders. Mm. So, um, 
we were there and we saw the boat and we got to sail on the boat. And then we drove um, back towards back towards London and stopped for the night at Mike Brown, the original owner. And it was his 65th birthday. We had dinner with him and I, I bought the boat from him. That is amazing. Now, just as a point of reference, is, is Harry also disabled? Yes, Harry's in a wheelchair, and so is Andrea, the three of us. Oh, my gosh. That's yes, unbelievable. Yes. So that's what I meant. We couldn't get out of the car. Oh, <laughs> so it sounds like it was the impossible drive to get to the impossible yeah, exactly. dream. That's a good way to put it. It oh was. goodness gracious. So, boy, it all came together, and you couldn't find three better people to check out the accessibility and you know workability exactly. of a boat like that than you three. Oh, that's amazing. Exactly. So yeah. what year was that now, Deborah, that you purchased that that was um, 2000. That was 2013. The end of 13, beginning of 2014. Okay. And now, how did you get her back to the states? Well, originally we had um, I had put together a team to sail her back, but insurance wouldn't allow it. Okay. So it we had to ship it back. Mm-hmm. And where did you have her? Um... She was shipped from Southampton, England to savannah okay yeah awesome so we flew a team of us we flew down to savannah we flew to up to savannah we were in miami and um we got her out of port got her put in the river and then we went to a boatyard and we um worked on her for about nine days and then we sailed her down to miami unbelievable did she need a lot of work was there um, oh yeah yeah oh yeah I a lot of work a lot of work has gone into this baby mm-hmm. yeah so tell us now what is the mission what is the impossible dream so the Incorporated's mission, mission? Well, for instance, right now I am in Newburyport, Massachusetts, on the Impossible Dream. The mission is to get as many people as we can with disabilities out on the water so that they can experience, even for two or three hours, the calming and healing and beautiful effects that the water gives us. There's a book called Blue Mind, and it will scientifically explain to you what water does in your brain when you hear it and see it and feel it. And so unfortunately, people with disabilities are cut out of this world, this boating world. And it's not that we need it more than anybody else. We need it just like everybody else, but we don't have the opportunity to get out on the water. Mm. So the first time I was on the bow, that's the front of a boat, was on the impossible dream. Wow. So. Impossible Dream in the winter lives at Shaker Lake, Miami, and we take groups out sailing a couple of times a week. And then we also try to do a sailing regatta, a race, every spring. We've raced from Fort Lauderdale to Key West, from Key West to Cuba, from St. Petersburg, uh, Florida to Isla Mujeres, Mexico. And we do these races with a mixed ability crew. Mm. So we always have disabled sailors as our crew. That's awesome. It's incredible. Mm. And, And we raise awareness. So the other thing 
everywhere we go, we, we raise awareness. Whenever we come into a port, we make sure that people with wheelchairs are on the bow of the boat outside and people can see us. And it changes their perspe- perception of what a person can do yes. who has a disability. Sure. And then people can see them there and say, hey, you know, mom, I can do that. Oh, yeah. Or I never thought about that. Wow. Wow. People in wheelchairs want to go on boats. Yeah. Uh, Whoever thought of that? That was like me when I went to see my friend's nephew. I thought there's no way that this young man's going to do that. Exactly. So So the the large part of our of our programming is what we're doing now. So Mm -hmm. this is the seventh year of our annual East Coast tour. We let we leave Miami June 1st and get back approximately October 31st. We take a five-month trip all the way up the up the eastern seaboard. So we go from Miami to Maine and Maine and back again. And we stop at at least 20 ports and we take people with disabilities sailing. And we're sponsored. We, we work with rehab hospitals. We work with Kessler, Kennedy Krieger, and Spalding and New England Rehab. And we also work with United Spinal and various groups of people. We work with many rest homes. We work with a lot of older people also. Mm -hmm. And in these towns that we go to, there are assisted living homes that have our older generation of sea-loving people. So it's we just had cell with um a few like five people from the age of 89 to 100 oh yesterday boy. and just like you described your friend yeah. that's how it is with them also that's unbelievable so it's very rewarding yeah so deborah how do you choose which ports you stop in is it the same ones each and every year and then um, um how do it, people it, who's eligible to come on how can they okay, find out so so uh, there are two parts to the mission. We we to to move the boat to sail the boat to each port that we go to. We need crew. So we have we have permanent crew. Captain Will Ray, who has been with me since the beginning, and our first mate Paula Paulina Belsky, who has been with us for four years, and then the rest of the crew is made up from people with disabilities that are that were sailors or learned how to sail after their um after their accident or or illness and started sailing after that like I did mm-hmm. so they come with us we have someone named David McCauley he is on the boat now he's on the boat for at least one month I'm on the boat for two months and then we switch out um, a gentleman named Rob Klein He's a quad. David McCauley is a quad. Rob helped bring the boat from Miami to to New England, actually, to Cape Cod. Wow. So, so, and we choose our guest crew, um, people that we meet. If people are, if someone is interested in being a guest crew member, they need to come on a day sail. They need to maybe sleep over one night when we're not out at sea Mm -hmm. and see how comfortable they could be on the boat. The other part is, yeah, we, we do go to the same places and we always pick up new places every year. Okay. But our main stops are, we, our main stops are, we go from New York 
to Norfolk, Virginia. Then we go through the Chesapeake and we go to Annapolis. We go to Baltimore. In Baltimore, we work with Kennedy Krieger. Then we go to New Jersey, where we work with the Kessler Foundation and the Christopher Reeve Organization. Okay. Then at, then we go, I'm trying to get this all straight in my mind. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah. And then we start coming up, up the coast and we go to um, uh, Provincetown, Martha's Vineyard, Boston. Right now we're in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Thursday we leave and we go to Maine, to Portland, Maine. Then we turn around, come back down. We go to Newport. Rhode Island, then we go to New York City, then we go up the Hudson River to Kingston and Hudson, and then we come back down through New York City and then go to Baltimore again and then start to go back back home. Unbelievable. What a mission. What a what an amazing thing. It's crazy. And in each place like we do at least eight sales. Mm-hmm. And how many folks can you fit on the catamaran at one time for one of those sales? Um, we can fit, we usually, our number is 24 and 12 of those can be wheelchairs. Okay. Um, we've, we've, we've halved it right now just because of COVID. So we take on 12 visitors. And so we're doing a few more sales than we used to do because we we can't take out as many people at a time. Yeah, yeah. Deborah, how do people find out? Like, let's say my my friend's nephew wants to maybe try and go out on it next year. How would he find out and where would he need to go? He would go onto our website, www.theimpossibledream.org, or you can look on um, Facebook or Instagram or YouTube, which is um, Impossible Dream Catamaran. And you can get in touch with your local rehabilitation center or any um, any organizations. So in the beginning, we were doing all the programming ourselves and getting, you know, and um, working with all the people individually. But now we do we in each port, we either have a rehabilitation hospital or what we call an ambassador. So, for instance, here in Newburyport. Um, someone saw a video about us and got in touch with us and said, I think that we would love you to come to our town. We have many people with disabilities and many older citizens. And, and so we come here, this gentleman, his name is Alan Gamble. He is our ambassador and he sets up the sales for us. That's terrific. That part we don't have to do. And he also sets up like a little bit of a fundraising party, a meet and greet. And it's really lovely. Every town we go to, people greet us in beautiful, beautiful ways with open arms. Yeah. Deborah, how fulfilling is it to see those smiles that I saw on my friend's nephew, not only just on um, the disabled participants that you have, but their family members? The family members also, and it's something a family can do together. Um, it's, it's so, it's rewarding. It fills me up with joy. It doesn't get old. I've been doing it for eight years and this, the part that I love, you know, there's a lot of, as you must know, also, there's a lot of work running a nonprofit. There's a lot of work. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of grunt work. Sure. But when I'm on the boat 
and doing the physical work, that means everything to me. It makes it all worthwhile, right? It makes it all worthwhile. It, yeah. And it's um, it's an unexpected journey yes. that I'm on. Deborah, I want to thank you for your time. I have one last question for you, and it's one that I ask of all of my guests who have... I know what that question's going to be, and I don't like that question. You don't honestly. like that question. All right, so I then don't. I won't bother. Well, you want to know why? Yeah. I, you know, it's it's saying that... It's saying that I want to be something that I'm not. Right. It, it, you know, I I don't even know. I wouldn't be where I am today without what happened to me, yes. my journey. Yes. And and I don't think it should be assumed that I would drop. That I that I think like I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah. You know. And I know that when people have said it to me, like, oh, the best thing that ever happened to me was my injury because it brought me here because it brings you somewhere where you've never been before, mm -hmm. and it's a struggle and it's a very hard journey, but it is rewarding, and that's how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, for those of you out there wondering, the question I was going to ask was, yeah. if I could snap my fingers right now and you'd be completely able-bodied, what's the first thing you would do? And I'd I think be here. That's, I'd be here. Yeah, that's an amazing I'd be answer. Here. Yeah, that's my answer. I would be here. I appreciate that. And I think that that's refreshing because I've gotten a whole bunch of other ones. And so to have that one is is eye-opening. And I, I respect that. Thank you for that. And again, at the end of the day, I want to thank you so much for carving a little time out of your day because I know you're very busy on the high seas right now. But uh, Deborah yes. Mellon from The Impossible Dream, thank you so much for coming on the quadcast today. Thank you. It was really my pleasure. If you would like to find out more about Deborah's wonderful organization, you can do so by visiting her website, which is www.theimpossibledream.org, and by accessing their Facebook and Instagram pages by using The Impossible Dream Catamaran. Since I don't know much about sailing myself, I did some research and found this phrase, which I hope summarizes the rest of your vessel's summer tour 2021, Deborah. May you have fair winds and following seas, my friend. On a personal note, I begin a spinal cord stimulation trial at Kessler Institute this week. Spinal cord stimulation modulates neuronal networks and pathways, reawakening the cord's ability to conduct impulses to paralyzed muscles. In my case, stimulation pads will be placed on the skin over the cord. I will keep you posted on any and all progress. Keep your fingers crossed, however, even the smallest of gains will be helpful. Thanks, as always, to Chris Parapesco from Lime Studios TV in New York City for mixing the show. I am John McAlevey, and I thank you for your time. I don't care about no wheelchair. I got so much